thank you for joining us for episode 365 of Live Happy Now. Not to sound like a broken record, but May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and here at Live Happy, we're using this time to take on some of the tough topics surrounding mental health. I'm your host, Paula Phelps, and throughout the month, we're focusing on tools for better mental health. This week, I'm talking with Liza Kindred, author of the fabulous new Calm Your Anxiety Journal. Liza is a licensed minister, Reiki practitioner, and meditation teacher whose work has been featured in publications around the world. She's here today to talk about why we're so anxious and how making friends with our anxiety can help change the way it affects us. Liza, welcome to Live Happy Now. Hi, Paula. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for having me. This is a great conversation that I'm really looking forward to because what you have done with your book, Calm Your Anxiety Journal, is mind-blowing. I have read many books on anxiety. This is hands down the best book on anxiety oh I've ever picked up. So before we dig into what it's all about and how important this is, let's talk about you. You teach meditation and you use a lot of Buddhist principles. Can you talk about That's what right. led you down the path and how you got to where you are? Yeah, thanks. So I had, like so many people, I think, who end up in this space, I had kind of different careers before. I worked in technology, and I worked in fashion, and then I worked in fashion technology, so wearable tech for a while. And I was designing and helping people build these well, wearable tech devices. And at the same time, in my personal life, I had started studying Buddhism, going to retreats, trying to live this kind of uninterrupted life. And then at work, I was like, <laughs> really like designing devices that actually interrupt. It's like, they're designed to be disruptive. And after a while, I was like, this isn't adding up. I'm not living my values to be like working. And I think we can all kind of see now what a lot of the downsides are to big yeah, technology. Definitely. And I was just starting to feel like that's not what I want to be putting out into the world anymore. And so I kind of have shifted to focusing on the things that are near and dear to my heart and have given me so much benefit, which are things like meditation and mindfulness, which stems from my Buddhist path and also doing things like helping people with anxiety, like we're going to talk about today and just a variety of different healing modalities. And it feels like a really special way to be able to live my values and put that out in the world, which so hearing you say those things, it's like makes my heart just like soar. I, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm doing it. I think I'm putting some good into the world. So you are you. doing so much good. And how did you make that transition in a career sense? You know, a lot of us might start applying these principles and using these practices, but it doesn't mean that we can parlay that into an actual career like you've sure. been able to do. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is difficult, but I kind of took some baby steps. So I kind of, I had initially stepped back into focusing on mindful technology. So kind of just baby stepping a little bit out of technology, trying to bring, and I was doing keynotes around the world, talking about how to bring the principles of mindfulness and the practices of mindfulness into technology and really trying to help people to be very cognizant and thoughtful about the tech that they're building. And so that was a good baby step into a different zone, but I still felt like I was serving our tech overlords in a way that, you know, didn't <laughs> feel right. So it's kind of taken another step out, but at the same time, 
I have not ever been a monk on the side of a mountain. I very much live in this world, in the world of tech, in the world of stressed out deadlines, anxiety. And I just recently am not a New Yorker anymore. And so my first book about meditation called F This Meditation and this book about anxiety is really meant to meet people who are like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea, but... I'm a caregiver. I have a job. I have, you know, I have to do all this stuff. So how do we actually fit this stuff in, in like yeah. the real world? Yeah, I think that's what's so amazing about it because you do show us that it can be done with this balance because I feel like sometimes books on anxiety are too academic. It's yes. like, okay, that's great. But if I'm not a researcher who's <laughs> spending my life hold up studying this, how am I going to actually live this way? Right. If you have to look at like, look up what the words even mean. And, yeah. you know, it's nice to have like an academic foundation, but yeah, how do I apply this? It's like, okay, I read all those big words, but like now I'm feeling more anxious. That's <laughs> something else I found out there was like, I also just, I looked at like everything out there. And there's some great books about anxiety. No offense to, anyone, but I haven't found any other good journals about anxiety. In fact, one of them I found, one of the practices was like, list all the things that make you anxious. No. <laughs> like, I'm feeling more anxious just thinking about listing all the, what, you know? Isn't, like, yeah. Cause like what you focus on is what is going to grow. So. Right. right. <laughs> I'm like, this page isn't big enough. I'm already anxious. <laughs> I'm going to need another journal. Right. <laughs> so how did anxiety become such a central focus for your messaging? Yeah. Well, I mean, we all have it. It's like increasingly a lot of the time that I'm spending with my meditation students, it's like when we're sitting down on the cushion and we're trying to meet ourselves where we are so often where we are is like super anxious and it's for really good reason. Like that's something else that I really want to be able to get across to people is just how much like anxiety makes sense looking at what's going on around us. One of my favorite quotes was, it was almost a hundred years ago, Indian philosopher and poet named Judu Krishnamurti said, quote, it's no measure of good health to be well-adjusted to a sick society. Ooh, that needs to be on my coffee mug. I mean, yes, yes. <laughs> that's and really so, good. Isn't it? And a hundred years ago, he said that. So I'm like, well, of course we're feeling anxious and all kinds of dis-ease and, you know, struggling with mental health. Look around us. But yet when it comes to, we're like my anxiety, my problems, you know, it's like we kind of blame ourselves for right. not coping, but it's like, oh my gosh, we're coping great compared <laughs> to, you know, what's happening. All like, things considered. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Did you start this book pre-pandemic, during the pandemic or kind of what was totally the, the during? Yeah, totally during. And I had the opportunity, I mean, during quarantine to go really, really deep into it and really try to create something, take like the most helpful pieces, the most solid pieces of things like cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT and ABT and mindfulness, and really like go deep into what is actually the most helpful for anxiety in the long run. And so I'm really grateful that I actually had the opportunity to do that like spend some real time and do a real deep dive because I feel like then the journal and all the practices in the journal and even the order that the practices go in are very intentionally designed to make a difference in the long term, like not just in the short term. I think there's awesome vagus system, nervous system practices we can use to help calm ourselves down in the short term. But like, you know, we got to kind of get out of the anxiety cycle for it to make a right. difference in the long term. Well, and this is so comprehensive, Like it addresses so many different aspects of how anxiety affects us and how we deal with it. 
And how did you make sure that you were covering so many bases? Because I, I think that's what was mind blowing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, man, she just really left no stone unturned here. <laughs> Thanks for saying that. I mean, I read all, I got very, very <laughs> academic. Like I really got in there and, you know, reading these like six, 800 page academic books about stuff and trying to really understand that it does cover a lot, but I also feel like to really make changes to our anxiety, we have to kind of understand all those different things. Like we were talking just you know, before we started recording, we were talking about how anxiety is actually biological. It's physical. And that's not like a metaphor to say it like lives in the body, but it's actually like physically resides in there. It resides in our tissues and our nervous system in the way that our synapses are firing, you know? And so I think that's really important. Yeah. And I think it's important too. There's been a lot of studies coming out very recently that talks about intergenerational trauma. So my family has a huge history of anxiety. And there was up until this point, I think a lot of people just felt like, well, it's just because your mom was anxious. So you learned anxiety. So you grew up anxious. But now you see it is truly like an intergenerational thing that happens as well. When we're born to someone who was anxious when we were, you know, gestating, we were in the womb, that affects us. That kind of stuff really does pass down. And as far as what genes are turned on or turned off. And yet I still feel like so many of us still, yeah, blame ourselves or like maybe blame another person. Like, you know, it's on me or it's on my mom or, you know, whatever. But it, it is so much more complicated than that, like you're saying. Would well, you see less shame around it? Because I know, say 20 years ago, you wouldn't walk around and say, I'm having issues with my anxiety. You just didn't, <laughs> you so know, true. You could so not. True. Yeah. And, yeah. And now I see people being a little bit more willing to talk about it. And I think that has to help with the healing of it too. Oh my gosh. Yes. Like to be able to, if we're experiencing something in our body, like we're in a room or a conversation and we're feeling anxious to be able to say, I feel anxious is the first step in dissipating the anxiety to stop fighting it. And when we just like, let it be, then we actually do start calming ourselves down. So being able to do that in the moment or even, yeah, in the broader picture, like someone's like, how are you? It's like, oh man, I've been anxious lately. And the response is like, oh man, me too. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think anyone's like, really? I've just been chill. (laughs) Why? What's wrong? Is something wrong? Is something stressful? (laughs) (laughs) And with the Calm Your Anxiety, I guess I really want you to explain kind of the format a little bit because it's unlike most books. It's kind of like a workbook. It's kind of like a journal. It's kind of like a study guide. It takes all these different elements. And it's also like having a really good friend walk you through it because the tone of it is not academic, even though it's very instructional and helpful, but you just kind of walk us through this. Thank you so much for saying that. Like, I'm cherishing what you're saying. I'm so glad that that comes across. And, you know, I kind of alluded to this, but anxiety is for sure something I've struggled with too. And in fact, I feel like there's quite a few meditation teachers who struggle with anxiety. Not all of them feel comfortable talking about it. I think because maybe that seems a little bit, it's like, oh, your meditation isn't working, you know, (laughs) Uh, but you can see from the book, it's like, there's eight sections, you know, mindfulness is one of them. So it's like, we got it. We have more to do there, but it really is about like, first and foremost, understanding what anxiety is. And I feel like it's so important that people understand that also anxiety is something that like, we're anxious about something because something went wrong in the past mm-hmm. and we're not making it up. Like it might not be happening now, but it, anxiety always stems from a truth. 
And so it kind of hurts my feelings sometimes to see, not my feelings, but I get a little like sad when I see people posting things like your anxiety is lying to you because it's not. Our anxiety is telling us a truth. It's just like maybe exaggerating or bringing it up at the wrong time. But understanding that I think is key. Yeah, because it's kind of like a warning system that your body created to tip you off because of past trauma and to keep us alive too, yeah. you know, that, like, yeah, that, that too. <laughs> there's like a lion coming, you should run, you know, it's like the same system. And so it is giving us helpful messages. And that's part of why you can't just like shut it down because your body's like, I need you to hear what I'm saying, or I can't go away. And so doing these practices of like sitting with it and making friends with it, which is kind of where the journal goes next. It's like, how do we actually listen to our anxiety without like being mad at it? Or, you know, maybe we're mad at it, whatever. But if we're listening, because that can actually start the physical process of our parasympathetic nervous system kicking in and us being able to actually calm down. Because we all know that we can't just be like, okay, Liza, just relax. Just relax. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) Calm down. It's like, that doesn't work. So we have to actually do things that will work, which is working with our bodies and working with our nervous system, which are all things that the journal covers as well. It's like, how do we make friends with that? How do we understand it? And then how do we step out of the cycle? Mm -hmm. And what does it do when we befriend it? Because I love that, the way that that whole chapter walks you through it. And it's like, then I started seeing in my head, this whole little play of like your anxiety sitting down, you hate it at first. And then you're like, oh, it's not so bad. And you, you know, yes, yes. And that's really what that chapter made me do. So tell us what that does when you make peace or make friends with your anxiety. Yeah. Or even just the beginning stages of that, like just like paying attention to what it's saying, like acknowledging, oh, did you have something to say? It's like, it really does. We can't actually get rid of anxiety totally. Like there's not like a cure. And that's because it is the same biologically wired system that's keeping us alive. It's like danger. It's our danger schema. And it's like, Hey, there's like something going on here. You might want to pay attention. You know, if it's bad, then we're like, you know, we go into the different responses, like fight, flight, freeze, fawn, collapse. But before that, we're just like, Hey, pay attention. Hey, pay attention. There's something going on here. And so if we're able to just like, Hey, pay attention, if we could just like sit with it and be like, okay, hang on, what's going on? By listening to it, it gives it that opportunity to then say like, okay, I've given my signal, I've been heard. And when we're pushing stuff away is it's like stopping anxious, stopping anxious. Like <laughs> we're giving all this power to it. Right. So it's kind of like, you know what? Fine. Come in. You can sit down, sit on the couch. What do you need? Okay. Got it. I can hear you. I heard you. Got it. <laughs> Thank you. You know, it's like someone that loves us, like an overbearing, like parents that is like, Hey, be (laughs) careful. Just trying to keep you safe. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's like, that's, that's our anxiety right there. I'm just trying to keep you safe. Like (laughs) That's so good. And I love what it does in your brain when you start thinking about it differently, because then instead of when you start feeling your individual triggers kicking in instead of being like, oh crap, here we go. You can react differently to it. Yes. For me, I'm always like, oh, here we go again. What's wrong with me? Why is this making me anxious? No one else is anxious. You know, da, da, da. And if we could just like stop that 
in Buddhism, we call that the second arrow. So it's this idea of like, we've been like hit with an arrow and that hurts. But then when we like beat ourselves up for being hit by an arrow, that's kind of like sending a second arrow. So if we could avoid that and just not be like, what's wrong with me? Why do I have anxiety? If we could just be like, what up anxiety? Like, okay, what do you need to say? That creates a sense of ease where before it was maybe like all tension. And that's the beginning of it. That feels good. It can feel good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It takes a minute, I think. Right, right. <laughs> no guarantees. Takes a while. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that I really liked, you know, anxiety isn't one size fits all because we all have our thing, but there are familiar patterns within it. Yeah. And so what really struck me with Calm Your Anxiety is how it personalizes each person's individual struggle with anxiety and gives so many different ways to manage it. So was that designed to let each person find what works for them yes, or is it, absolutely. do you want them to use all the things or yeah, how I mean, does this work? Yeah. In both of my books, it's, I'm like, just take what works and like leave the rest always. It's like, everything is so personal, especially in wellness. There's so many people that are like, I have the answer. It worked for me. So it will work for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And it's like, we're all so different. We all need different things. And the way we experience it is different. Where it came from is different. One of the things I was really fascinated to learn through the research of this book was the different ways that different cultures talk about anxiety. The language that they use is really different. Some cultures, and I'm sorry, I'm not remembering where right now, but in some places, the focus on anxiety is having a hot face is how it's described in some other cultures. It's talked about like a rising wind, which I think of must be like a tornado kind of in the yeah, sense. Yeah. Even the way we talk about how we experience it, how we talk about it is all really personal. And so what's going to work is personal. So I would just love for people to just try something. And if it doesn't work, it's like, thank you next. Yeah. <laughs> plenty to and, do. Yeah. And, and that is, it's like this little toolbox where you can just choose which one is most appealing to you and seems like most reasonable <laughs> to fit into your life. Exactly. Yeah. Cause people are busy and we have ups and downs and highs and lows and busy times and slow times. And if people can just like work through the book as quickly or as slowly as it feels right, there is real change by the end. Mm -hmm. And I love how you end it with a graduation certificate. There. <laughs> the certificate of completion. Thanks for yeah. saying that. My publisher was like, well, how are they going to know if they've earned it? And I'm like, <laughs> even if they just flip through the book and just see it, they've already earned it. So I'm yeah. signing it already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it just gives you that, you know, it made me smile because it's like, what a great reminder. If you're having an off day, if you're having a struggle with anxiety, where you can look at that and be like, I got this because, you know, right? I've practiced, I've got the tools. Yeah, absolutely. And so one of the things I wanted you to explain to us is about the morning meditation. Can you talk about how starting your day with a morning meditation can help us change our anxiety? Yeah. I mean, we all have anxiety at different times, but a lot of people do have it in the morning, waking up and just like the day starts and we, well, start and then we have to go to work. That doesn't help. Yeah. <laughs> and rush. A lot of times you have to rush, right? Which is like the worst for anxiety, rushing, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And so being able to take some time to like check in and see, not try to change where we're at, but just see where we're at and just be where we're at. That's all we're really trying to do. It's like, hey, 
Liza, I talk to myself a lot, like, Hey self, Hey me, like, you know, how are we doing? And being able to just start the day checked in and with some mindful breathing and a little bit of mindfulness practice and the meditation, we're really setting the day up for success. If we can even bring an intention into it before, during, or after the practice where we can kind of come back to that throughout the day, like, okay, I have this intention or I had this experience that I know that even if I'm not feeling calm right now, I know that calm exists and it exists in me and I can get back there. And it helps us to build confidence in getting back to that place. Yeah, definitely. And how does it work to set an intention for the day? Because I know on days when I do that, there's a huge difference. And I don't know why I don't do it every day because I see the results. Because we're busy. And (laughs) Talk about that when you can set an intention and how do you do that? You know, it's almost like dropping an anchor. It's like, I've seen some people when they set intentions, set like pretty long sentence or a couple sentences about like, today I'm going to be calm and open. And we always want to state what we want, not what we don't want. So we don't want to say like, I won't get angry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, we're not trying to put our energy or use our words there, but saying like, I will be calm, you know, so really like giving it some positivity. I mean, we don't, we're not going into like overly everything. It's great. Everything is great, you know, but we're just setting a positive intention, leaving room for the reality of what is, which is all the highs and lows, but like I'll meet things with calmness as best I can, or we can list a few things. Or for me, a lot of times it's just a word that comes to me when I'm meditating. And sometimes it's like the same word peace for a week or recently it was clarity. I was just getting the word clarity again and again. And so Throughout the day, I would know if I'm starting to feel stressed out or struggle or just have a quiet moment, just coming back to that intention, whether it's clarity or it's a longer thing. It's like coming back home to yourself. I love how you say that. That's a beautiful thought. Yeah, like we drop that anchor and, you know, the weather could get choppy, the, you know, the boat could go around, but it's like, but we can always kind of pull on that anchor and know that like, all right, I put this here for myself. Like, okay. That's great. Yeah. Because we know that we can pull back to it and get there and make it through that day yeah. or just through that moment if we have to. Yeah. I have a lot of people tell me that they do it in the in the bathroom. It's like, especially at work, if we're in a busy office, just like kind of go into a stall or something and just like have a, a minute of like, okay, I'm coming back to myself. Yeah. Here I am. Yeah. That's so important to do. And we've been seeing a lot of material about how high our anxiety levels are, mm. the increase in mental health problems. There was one stat that I saw a couple of weeks ago that talked about if all of the therapists practicing in the U.S. today saw 3,000 patients a year, they would not be able to get through everyone that needs mental health oh my assistance gosh. right now. So we look at it, and that's just overwhelming to look at that kind of a, a need. So as we think about that, and I know that we get a lot of feedback and people are dealing with so many different things. So what are the things that you would recommend right now to the people who are listening to like where do they start to reclaim better mental health? Yeah. Thanks for that lead in too, because one of the things that, that I feel like that really kind of like shocking statistics speaks to is how much more systemic help we could really use. I want every person who wants a therapist to have a therapist. Everyone should have that. And we don't. And so what we're left with a lot of times are these tools, like personal tools for us to, you know, try tools like this journal tools, like some practices. And so 
we kind of have to rely on ourselves in a way that we really should be able to be relying on the mental health system. That's a great point there. Yeah, that is a really great point because not everyone has the resources to see a therapist. And even if they do, they may not be able to get in. It's Yeah. And it takes a while to find a good fit. And yeah, I mean, I have a therapist I love and I am so grateful for that because that's hard to get. And we Mm -hmm. all deserve, you know, good help. But I appreciate that lead into the question because I want to share some tools and some practices that people can do. I feel like it's really important that we all know that like, we shouldn't have to be doing this on our own. And to the extent that we can get help and support from other people, I wish that for you. And please fight for it if you can. But there are things we can also do for ourselves. And so that's where this book comes in. And things like my absolute favorite, this is the most simple thing that we can do, which is that when our exhale is longer than our inhale in our breathing, so if we're breathing out longer than we're breathing in, that triggers the parasympathetic nervous system response and starts to calm our heart rate. It's a physical message that we send to ourselves. Calm down. It's okay. You know, it doesn't work to say it in our heads, but we can actually talk to our nervous system and especially doing deep belly breathing, where if we put like one hand over our belly and when we inhale, we really try to fill our bellies up with air and make them like big and beautiful. And then exhale slow, long and slow. A few cycles of that is one of the most powerful ways to shift the response and to start to be able to calm ourselves down in the moment. Some of the other practices that I like are like self-soothing, like just taking our fingers and gently rubbing our other arm. It's self-soothing. It feels a little bit, it can feel a little childish kind of. It's like the thing (laughs) we do to soothe a child, but we're doing a bilateral movement. So we're engaging both sides of our brain. We're coming back into our body. We'll go as fast or as slow as we feel that feels good. So we're always kind of doing it right for ourselves. So we are, it is actually self-soothing. It's If you're in a meeting, it's something you can do like under the table (laughs) Um, or like whatever. It just looks like you're, you know, kind of mindlessly, you know, using your thumb to stroke your arm or something. But these kind of things where we can actually just really start to just break that, like I'm freaking out cycle, coming back to ourselves, coming back to our body, coming back to the present moment, because anxiety, we spiral out, out of our body, we spiral out of the here and now. And so these really simple practices can help just bring us back to the here and now. And you have several great free resources on your site. You've got some meditations. You've got some other little good. Heck yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we have, we're building a whole resource library. We're feeling like really good about it. Most of it's free. Yeah. We have all kinds of meditations, meditation scripts, different journal prompts, things like that. One of the ones that I especially recommend for people who are interested in working with their anxiety is the body scan meditation, which we have on there for free where we can do a shorter or a longer body scan. And that can really help us to take that brief moment of coming back into our bodies and extend it out for even longer. And it can be very relaxing. Terrific. You have given us so much to work with, so much to help us manage our anxiety better. I'm really excited for our listeners to discover your site, all those great resources. I hope they check out the journal. And as we let you go, What's the one thing you hope everybody takes away from this talk we've had today? Yeah, this is it. You are complete. You're just not finished. Love you are that. whole. You have everything that you need. You are unbroken. You are 
everything that you need already lives in you. You're just kind of refining it still. (laughs) You are complete, just not finished. I love that. Liza, thank you so much. (laughs) Promise me you'll come back and talk to me. I would love that. Thank you, Paula. And thank you to everyone for listening. I'm sending you the very, very best. That was meditation guru, Liza Kindred, talking about how to make friends with our anxiety. If you'd like to learn more about Liza, follow her on social media, or learn more about her new Calm Your Anxiety journal, visit our website at livehappy.com and click on the podcast tab. And while you're on our site, remember you can get 20% off anything and everything in the Live Happy store this month when you use the code SELFLOVE20. That's SELFLOVE20. That is all we have time for today. We'll meet you back here again next week for an all-new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one.